Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by our proud title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, the next generation of off-ice hockey training for players and goalies. Look, we know how much you invest in your children's hockey development, the early mornings, the travel, and let's not forget the expenses of training for hockey camps, private ice time, the general expenses of the season. It's a lot. But wouldn't it be great to bring that on-ice practice experience home that's fun, fits into your schedule, and that's affordable? If you said yes, which I'm sure you did, you've got to check out NHL Sense Arena. It's a top-tier virtual reality training game that brings the on-ice practice experience home so you can practice anytime and anywhere, literally. You can transform any part of your home into a virtual ice rink where you're getting unlimited access to over 100 drills, training plans from top coaches and players, weekly drill challenges, and more that focus on improving hockey sense and physical cognitive skills, starting at just $33 per month. That is a lot cheaper than an hour of ice time. The physical side of hockey gets a lot of attention, but we don't focus enough on the mental side of it. It's something we talk about on this show all the time. NHL Sense Arena provides an immersive solution for players to sharpen those skills when ice time is limited or not affordable and they want to get those extra reps in. So for our listeners, NHL Sense Arena is offering an exclusive $50 off their annual plan all you got to do is head over to their website, hockey.sensorina.com. Again, hockey.sensorina.com and use our code hockey never stops and you'll level up your off-ice training by using NHL Sensorina. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and NHL Sensorina. Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I've been on assignment for three of the four last weeks in the United Kingdom, and we decided to do a quick episode. It's only about 30 minutes uh, about my journey abroad to uh, coach professionally in the United Kingdom, but also to talk about just international hockey and how traveling and uh, youth hockey is done differently in other countries. Uh, really great conversation. So you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, also, just as a reminder, we got a lot of great interviews coming up on Our Kids Play Hockey. Uh, we're going to be here with you all summer, all offseason. Uh, with a lot of great tips, tricks, and information. We really want to make it uh, good stuff this summer, not just the typical topics that we go through. Also want to remind you to check out whenhockeystops.com to make sure you pick up a copy. Uh, kids definitely have summer reading this year. It's a great book that uh, Christy and I wrote about dealing with adversity. You don't have to have a kid who's injured to read the book. It's a great book to prepare yourself for all the little uh, mountains that we climb as people, uh, both in hockey and in life. Uh, and finally, want to remind you to check out worldhockeyhub.com. We're talking about international hockey check out worldhockeyhub.com uh, especially if you're a team manager or coach uh, you can see world rankings but you can also find other places to play other teams to play um, we've talked to them over there a lot they do a great job of really expanding the game so check that out at worldhockeyhub.com but without further ado after you've checked out worldhockeyhub.com and whenhockeystops.com and you've liked and subscribed and shared the show with friends come back to this and enjoy this episode of our kids play hockey Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another action-packed half-an-hour edition lightning round of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias, and I'm joined, as always, by my good, powerful, wonderful, amazing friends, Michael Benelli and Christy Casciano-Burns. And we are live tonight. It's an evening show. Uh, and if you can see me, if you're listening, that's one thing. If you can see me, you might notice that I have a different hat on tonight. I'm not wearing my typical grit hat or my um, Our Kids Play Hockey hat. It's a big P, Christy. You're looking at it. It's a gigantic P. Because I have been abroad for three of the last four weeks in the United Kingdom coaching 
with a professional team. And we asked our audience, what did you want to hear about this week? And uh, it wasn't unanimous, which is good, but people said they want to hear about this. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to set the stage for you to tell, tell everybody what I was doing, why I was doing it. And then we can have questions. We can talk about it. Maybe, maybe the merits of international hockey, which really, uh, as Mike can attest to, you can learn an amazing amount by going to other countries outside North America <laughs> to see how they do the game or sport uh, or entertainment. So long story short, I was in Peterborough, uh, United Kingdom, about two hours north of London. Um, now, when I lived in England for three years, I, I worked for this team. Um, we won a championship together in 2015 uh, and uh, I've obviously moved back to the United States around 2016 and I've been here ever since. Um, so I got a call from the head coach before the season uh, asking, hey, do you want to be involved this year? And I said, I'd love to be, but I live 3,500 miles away. How, how are we going to do that? So uh, basically, we kind of came to this conclusion of, look, maybe there's a way to do this remotely where you can work with the staff. You can work with our marketing department, media department. It was a kind of a two-tier two, two job because the team had been off for a year and a half uh, due to COVID, right? And I know the team. I know the club. And I know kind of the soul of the city in a lot of ways. And they wanted me to help revitalize. So my first concern was, uh, look, let's make sure this is viable because remote coaching is not a big thing yet. And, and we're talking about real people here. This isn't like a service, right? This is, this is an actual hockey team. So um, we talked it over and you know what? I was convinced. I'm like, you know what? I think we can make this work as long as we understand clearly the standards, right? And the standards were that, uh, you know, we have meetings every week, obviously, um, that I, I am not in a position to take physical action there. Someone will have to do that. Um, and that, you know, our goal is to obviously take the team as far as we can. So very long story short, uh, from a media marketing side, uh, the team well exceeded expectations in terms of budgets and, and, and revenue. Uh, and I really have to attest that to the media marketing and management team over there for putting in countless hours as volunteers. They did not get paid uh, to put on a live broadcast every home game to make sure that the crowd the experience was worth coming back to and you, you got to remember at the start of the season last season COVID's still looming right it's not it's not exactly where it is right now where we're probably all a little bit more comfortable with it uh it, it's a threat we don't even know if we're going to get people in the building right um well we we, we had a, a good uh, crowd every night uh, especially halfway through the season and uh the game night experience expanded and and from a business standpoint a media marketing standpoint uh really proud of that crew every game got better and better and better now, from a team standpoint, <clears throat> this is an interesting season. And I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I'm not going to talk about obviously anything, obviously anything that was private or went on within the locker room. That, that is not for public knowledge. But I can talk about the aura of the season. And the season started out with an 0-6 run, <laughs> which was not what we were expecting. Um, I mean, truth be told, look, we were expecting to do better than that. But we also know, look, coming out of COVID, we don't know if these guys are in shape. We, we just don't know. A lot of unknowns. So they started out of the gate 0-6. Then they started to find their stride. Um, and by mid-season, we're looking okay. And then December happens. In December, Mike, you ready for this? Chris, you ready for this? We had 11 players out, half the roster due to injury. I've never seen that many players out before. This is congruent with other professional sports leagues after COVID, though, that injuries happen. So we go into December kind of really like, yeah, this is it. We're ready to go. And uh, 11 players out. And, and you can imagine, we did not win a game for a few weeks. Um, uh, and it was pretty dire at that point. But this is what I, I told the team. This is what I noticed. I, I noticed that every time we faced adversity, 0-6 start, being out of shape, 
even this, we always responded. This team always responded. The players always responded. I said, we got to lean in on that. Right. And this was what was cool about coaching uh, is that, you know, I was able to talk with the coaching staff and go over concerns and give somewhat of an outside perspective while being involved with the team heavily. Um, and they bounced back, right. The next weekend they had two wins right away. And the rest of the season, I'd say we were the best team in the league. Right. So coming out of December, January, February, March um, into April, we were the best team. Uh, we did not finish in the top half of the pack, but we finished high enough to make the playoffs. Um, and this is where I get really proud of the team. You know, uh, in European hockey, in, in, in English hockey, there's three championships every year, believe it or not. So there is the cup championship. The way that works is the first home and away game against every team is a cup game as well as a regular season game. And then after everybody plays each other once home and away, they have a tournament to crown the cup. That's probably the third title if you want to rank them. Uh, there's a playoff championship, which is like our Stanley Cup. That's actually their second most important championship. And then there's the league championship, which is the, uh, the best team overall. It's basically akin to the president's trophy in America. And uh, I always say to them in America, we don't really care about that. But in, in Europe, it, just like if you, if you follow Premier League soccer, uh, that's the big one, right? So we didn't win that. We didn't win the cup. So we're going to the last month of the season and the playoffs are there. No one's expecting us to win anything. Nobody. No one's expecting us to even compete. We, we kind of scampered in. And the way the playoffs work, now this is interesting. Again, talk about European hockey. It's not like two conferences, right? They split the eight teams that make the playoffs into two divisions, okay? It's basically a round-robin tournament, and the top two teams from each division advance to the championship finals, okay? So we were uh, the second-to-last lowest seed coming into this. This is why I love these guys, and this is why I love their determination. They bought totally into the playoff mentality. They bought totally into the accountability side of things of, okay, we're going to make something happen. They won their pool. So they come in low, they win their pool. We could have gone six and oh. I think we ended up going uh, four and two. All right. And, and I won't discuss the games. I, I will just say there was uh, some frustrating officiating going on. I'll, I'll put it that way. But they performed. And they, we go into the championship weekend. Um, we lost in the conference final by one goal. It was a heartbreaker. Uh, and I, I'm going to say this to both of you I hate losing. I really, really hate losing. But I also was able to kind of take a macro approach and leave that going, you know what? This was a successful season. No one's going to remember that we didn't win. And that's okay. It was the, the team is back on track. The fans are back on track. The season's back on track. And I'll tell you, I, I always love coaching. They flew me out there. That's the last part. Of it. That's why I haven't been here. I flew out there for uh, 10 days for the first two rounds of the playoffs. Came back to America for 10 days, which my friends over there called the holiday. It was my 10-day American holiday. Then I flew back again for five days for the championship weekend. Um, and uh, it's an experience. I'll tell you, when you go to another country, when you're the one with an accent, uh, but just to round this all out, and then I'll, I'll open it up because I'm doing all the talking today. Um, I just love coaching and, and to have an experience to go to another land, really, and, and talk to different personalities. And really, you guys know this, I'm, I'm really a team development coach. And to be able to implement that uh, and earn their trust throughout the season remotely and then have that all connect at the end of the season. I could felt I could feel the brotherhood, you know, as I departed of, you know, we're really glad that this is happening. We're really glad you're here on to next season. So I would chalk that up outside, not winning the trophy as a success. All right. And I think that from a, from a educational standpoint, I think we proved that remote coaching is actually something that's possible. Um, if you understand the standards and, and the responsibilities, um, and I thought that was a really interesting thing that can open up all sorts of exciting 
avenues for coaches to, to stay involved in the sport via Zoom. Again, not ideal, but it worked, right? So that was my experience. Uh, and that's why we didn't record any really fresh episodes for the last few weeks. Um, it's why I'm wearing this P hat and it's why I haven't slept in uh, three to six weeks. And, uh, well, we missed you and welcome back. Thank you. I and, you um, and I got to tell you, it does, it does change your perspective totally. when you go overseas. And thanks to Mike Benelli, uh, we got to go over to Norway and our girls got to uh, spend some time with uh, the Norwegian girl hockey players. And it was really eye-opening. It really was. Um, and there's, there are little nuances. I mean, there's some like subtle differences and then there are big differences so maybe we can kind of chime in and talk about that yeah but i think but i think chrissy i think you're right about i mean the one nice thing lee for your i think the advantage you have too is going in and giving a supportive eye right to the team but from a from a bird's eye view right, like right. you know you weren't there as a consultant to be like a critique of the coaches you're like well i am one of the coaches and this is what we can do better. But I have a perspective that I'm standing back here. And it's amazing when you're not part of the, the chaos, you know, how you could have so much more clarity in, and, and obviously you must have a great relationship with the staff over there because they're allowing you to, you know, kind of jump into their world from a, from your, on your own timeline, basically. Right. So I think it's, right. so I think it's great for the, the players and the staff and people that you're involved in to see that, okay, well, here's a guy that can kind of, step back and, 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 and that's, you know, basically that's how I kind of do a lot of the stuff I do with youth programs is like, I'm not, I'm not there listening to the griping and the bitching and the moaning and the, you know, all the day-to-day -day stuff or the, or the happy, like I, I'm not, I'm not also there for like these great moments either of, of when a team succeeded. I'm not a part of that. You, you know, you, you watch like the Stanley cup playoffs right now, like every day is a building block for those type of things. Right. So, <laughs> Um, so if you miss those, it's hard to kind of be the outsider to come in, but it sounds like you were able to navigate that really well. And that, and that's a, yeah. that's an art in itself. So it's, and, it, and it's, it's attributed to, to their ability to accept you in that role, which is yeah, great. And, and let, like, let's talk about the things that made it successful, Mike, you're actually making me think here. So the number one thing that was there from the start that I think is really important and what made this work was there's a really unbreakable trust between the head coach and myself. That was, that was established over time. That was not something that they just that just appeared, right? Um, he and I trust each other like brothers, um, and, and we knew that that was going to be there, right? And I think without that, there's no way this works. Um, the second thing you said that's totally true is that, you know, I was just as invested in the team, but, like, I'm not there. So when I'm watching the games, I'm not on the bench. I'm not hearing everything. I'm just kind of watching the games. So when we'd have our weekly meeting, uh, you know, the head coach would come to me, Slava, Slava Kulikov is his name. He's the most brilliant tactician I've ever worked with, by the way. Um, and, and he would, uh, it wasn't really venting. We would just discuss what he saw. And then I would discuss what I saw. And more often than not, it's like, you know, hey, you know what? I didn't think of it that way. Or I didn't see it that way. Um, so it really created new conversations that I don't think I would have had if I was in the locker room. Um, another thing that I did, and I, I forgot to mention this, um, was that majority of these players, this was, this was different. I knew the coaching staff, I know the captain, and I knew a couple of the veteran players, but a majority of the players were new from my previous time coaching. So when I was flying over for the two weeks leading up to that, I scheduled one-on-one -on -one, uh, personal Zooms with every single player on the team to introduce myself, to let them know who I was, to make sure that they had any questions they could ask me, and then also to let them know, and I, and I meant this from my heart, I am coming to help you let me know how I can assist you and help you. I was very genuine. 
I think the other key with remote coaching is, and I'm going to say it, like I wasn't bullshit. Like I, I was who I was to these guys and they knew that as soon as I arrived, if you know what I'm trying to say, like I, I wasn't going to I told them, I'm not going to come there and start yelling at you. when I haven't been there the whole season. That, that is not my role. I'm coming to help you assist you and to do whatever I can to help this team win. That's my role. And, and obviously to assist the head coach, that is my main role is to make sure that, that I make suggestions that can help him do a better job. So when those parameters existed, I think success was possible. And I'm going to say it, this team could have won this year. Uh, we've identified already for next season, you know, a few things. And, and Mike and Christy, you'll relate to this. The team's very close. So there's, it's just very minor adjustments. You know, that last one to 5% is the hardest to get because it's always literally tiny, small things that you got to kind of massage. And, you know, you, you, you're leaving the season hopeful, disappointed you didn't win, but hey, we, we're going the right direction. There's nothing worse than when you end the season. It's like, oh man, that might've been it. Um, yeah, or, yeah, or thank God it's over. Now, instead, it's like, it's like, wow, I, I can't wait to get started. Yeah, yeah. That's a really cool piece of that. And I think going back to Christy's point too about going overseas, you know, is that you know, I've been really fortunate and, and it sounds like you were too, that you're able to call these players and communicate with them in the same language too. And that's yeah. such a huge piece. Like when Christy, and it was great, and she she's giving me the credit, but it wasn't my credit. It was the fact that she as a parent and her group of people, you know, made this leap to get on a plane and, and go to Norway for the first time with their daughters and, and be a part of this hockey program. And really, and Christy hasn't said this, but her daughter got, actually got hurt. She didn't get to participate in the camp as far as a player goes. But really, it was the cultural piece. And I think for what you're doing too, Lee, when you go to, the, when you go to a different country and you get to kind of immerse yourself in their culture, it is a lot different when the language is the same. Like when you're able to speak, like we were, I'm really fortunate to work with the Swedes and the Finns and the Norwegians, and they all speak English very, like embarrassingly. Better than so us. Better. <laughs> yeah. Like oh they're like, oh, gosh. I'm so sorry for my English. I'm like, you're sorry for your English. They're right. beautiful. They speak. <laughs> my girls were amazed at just how beautiful they spoke. They're like, they speak better than us. So I'm saying, you know, like in, in Lee's instance, it was, it, it, it's a lot easier and, and, and it's, much more productive right because there's a lot less guessing of I'm, I'm having a conversation with with athletes that i can communicate with directly right, right. without and, there being uh you know the game of phone you know what's interesting about it, england um is you know one is when we're there you know we have the accent i had the accent right I, i'm the traveler in their country and the other thing too is that um yeah look i would say this england to me it, it, i mean this lovingly it's, it's like a bizarro world it's like a backwards world they drive on the other side of the road the steering wheels are on the different side of the car um, you know, we say, how you doing? They, they say, are you all right? You know, it's just, everything's just, just slightly different, but familiar. Um, and it's true in hockey too. And I've said this before, you know, we grow up in America, football, American football, baseball. These are all sports tennis, where you use your arm to throw a ball. And in Europe, there's very few sports like that. It's football, European football, soccer, um, and lots of games like that. So even the skill sets are a little bit differently developed. Um, and you have to navigate that as a coach is understanding that and knowing that, you know, some things are overdeveloped and underdeveloped, but you know, one of the things that's universal obviously is this team building side of things, right? They understood the need for that. Um, and, 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 you know, I wanted to transition to this, Chris, Christy, you brought it up too. Look, there's politics everywhere. There's always politics. Um, I'm not going to deny that, but the European model for sport, maybe this is a surprise to some of our listeners and viewers, it's very different than here. 
you know, here, at least in the Northeast, uh, you know, it's club hockey and high school hockey and you jump from team to team to team to team. You know, we've talked about that a hundred times on the show. If you're in the mid, if you're in the North here in the Midwest, it might be more high school than club. Um, but in Europe, you know, these development systems. So the, again, the team I coach is the Peterborough Phantoms and they have levels of Phantoms teams. They have a women's team. They have a Phantoms two team. The youth team's called the Phantoms. And what happens is they develop these kids through this organization all the way up to the pro team. By the way, I want to say this because I always get this question. I'm going to be remiss if I don't say it. People always ask me, how is the hockey in England? It is extremely good. Okay, to, to prove my point, the guy that got the game-winning goal against us played in the NHL. Shot right through my soul and right, right into the net. But the, the point is, and, and, and the, the league I coach in is not even the top league. There's a league above us called the Elite League um, that has a lot of former NHL players. So, and, and, and Great Britain, as a country, competes in the level one world championships. They play against USA and Canada. So hockey in, in England is very, very good and developing. But I love their development system, Mike, because these kids grow up. And I'm not saying kids don't jump from program to program. It does happen. But the dream is when you're, when you're eight years old and you're a phantom is to play for the pro phantoms team and to grow up within that system. Now, what they lack is access to ice. They lack access to coaching. And they lack, and this is something we don't think about here, access to people. The population of the United Kingdom is, is nothing compared to Canada or the U.S., right? So they have to really get people into hockey and make sure that they develop properly. And this is all across Europe, right? Your, European teams have development systems like that. Right. I, I noticed, too, and you, that development model is ideal for building chemistry for the kids, right. too. I mean, you can always tell the teams where the kids have grown up yeah. together and like played together. <laughs> yeah, right. they excel. They're exceptional. And it's magical when you watch them. Right. Um, so I imagine, and, and that's why I love that kind of a development system, because they grow up together. They know each other. They're comfortable with each other right. rather than jumping from team to team to team. You know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a great system. I wish we would adopt more of that here. Look at all the money you save in helmets every year. So I, I think, I think it's, so I, I, and I, team I, gear and, and team, team jackets, gear and yeah, swag. But, I, but I, but I agree. I think, but that's, that's why the European countries though, I think are leading the way in finding ways to develop talent because right, right. they don't get to get lucky. Like we get lucky. Canada, the U.S., we have so many kids and we do so much wrong. We're just <laughs> lucky because we have so many more kids. Like right, I was right. just, you know, as you know, I, I do a lot of floorball stuff and I was joking around with the, I, I do a lot of work with the, uh, the Finnish floorball groups and we're doing a floorball program with the NHL to uh, and, the, and the New York Rangers to go into schools in New York City in the Bronx. And I, I was just doing the numbers while we were doing this project. And I said, we'll have more players in the Bronx playing floorball next year than the whole country of Finland. Wow. Just in the Bronx wow. playing floorball. So when you think about the way we do our programming and, and, and the way we do hockey, you know, our 350,000 athlete pool for hockey, we can, we can risk not being as streamlined, but in Europe and, and Scandinavia and these other countries, you, you need to streamline it. And one of the pieces of streamline it is culture. Right, right is right. keeping and retaining kids. Once you get them, you got to keep them. And I think that's what I love about, and you've probably seen it in that system. And Christy, you saw it being in these in this small little town in Oslo, Norway, that the whole community it revolves around. Oh, totally. The kids. Yeah. And you know, if I go to Stop and Shop, maybe I'll run into a hockey kid every now and then. 
But in those towns, every single kid goes from soccer, football, hockey, and then, you know, winter sports or whatever. So it is a different culture, but I think it, it's, it, it's really cool to hear like that, you know, I'm sure that's how the marketing team did well. I'm sure how they, they promoted the team. They did well. You keep going back to that group of people that right, has a right, vested right. interest culturally in seeing their town team succeed because they hope to be there. Like that's where they're aspiring to be. Right. And, you know, we lack a little bit of that, whether it's good or bad, who knows? It just, you know, we don't, you don't see developing systems like the New York Rangers and, and the Columbus Blue Jackets aren't developing a, 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 like a, a team. where they say, oh, all these little eight-year-olds are going to grow up to be Columbus Blue Jackets. Right. That's not how it works. Right. But well, it's, it's, it does it's, work that it's, way. it's far more capitalistic here. And the, the sad part is, is that it could still be capitalistic and work. I think that's what frustrates us so much. But, you know, you, you talked about the culture. You know, one of the things that uh, England does uh, I'll say better than us. Uh, and we used to do this in this country. And that's what kind of bugs me is the way their school system works is, you know, they have primary school, which is, you know, the younger grades and they have secondary school and then their secondary school, if I'm not mistaken, goes up to about what would be the equivalent of 10th or 11th grade here. And then the kids have to choose. Yeah. You go to college, which is a little different than our college, or do you go to kind of a trade school? All right. And, and we used to do that here. We used to value trade jobs. So there it's just kind of, there's a career path of, do you want like further education? And then you can go to university. So college comes first and then university, there are different things over there. Or do you want to do uh, more of a trade? And everyone I coach over there has a job. <laughs> uh, I, funny moment. I was on the bus, uh, you know, trying to motivate. We have a young kid named Brad Bowering. He's fantastic. He's going to play on the national team one day. And I was on the bus and I said, Hey, what do you, what do you do for a living? And he said, oh, I, I do this. I said, no, no. What do you do for a living? He said, I, I do this job. I said, what do you do for a living? He looked at me, he looks at the head coach. He goes, I'm a, I'm a hockey player. I said, you're a hockey player. That's right. That's what you do for a living. We were on our way to a game. But um, the reason I bring this up friends is because their cultural difference of work and understanding what it takes. They have a, I'd say a more down to earth understanding. And again, there's some trade-off here. There's a down to earth understanding of the chances of making it right? That doesn't stop them from pursuing it. But the trade-off is uh, they probably don't dream to the same level as we do. Um, but the other side of that trade-off is I think we have a lot of people in this country dream and ask, well, why didn't I get my dreams? Why didn't I accomplish my dreams? I deserve this. You don't deserve anything. You deserve the opportunity to try. That's about it. So it's fun to see the cultural side of things too. Not to mention, look, we have import players on this team that come from, from other countries um, and it's just a different, a different understanding. Look, hockey is not the number one sport over there, not even top five. Right. So, so there's that of it too. And, and again, Mike, you brought up the, the fan, you know, fan base, and that's how we revitalized the fan base. We went to our fans first and said, Hey, come back. Hockey's on, by the way, interesting fact. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say this to be funny. Um, COVID over there is almost non-existent. I, I had no problem entering the country. It wasn't talked about. Uh, keeping in mind, I think, I think the, I think the difference is most people in that country are vaccinated. Uh, but I had more problems getting back in the United States than I did getting into England, which was funny to me, uh, not making funny of a serious matter, but anyway, uh, anytime, this is kind of my, my final thought, Christian, I'll throw it to you. I think anytime you or you and your children can get to a multicultural experience outside of this country, or even in this country, going to another part of the country, that can be just as eye-opening. You know, if you're from the North, head on down to the South or head on over to the West, just experience something other than what you do every day can really change your perception on things. Like I said, 
the fact that the league title, the president's trophy is their big championship. I had a really hard time understanding that my first few years there, but I came to understand it more. I'm still a playoff guy. I want to win the Stanley cup. That's my, my goal, but I understood why they pride themselves on that championship, especially when you look at promotion relegation and other sports. So just a, a lovely experience as always. Um, and I, I always want to shout out that that team and that city is so welcoming to me when I go there. Um, they are so open arms of just welcome back. It wasn't, it didn't start that way. When I first started there, we don't need an American here to help us, but they're so welcoming now. It's, it's really like a home away from home for me. So I was privileged to be able to do that um, this season and, and especially the last uh, month. I love it. Um, yeah. And aside from just the experience of hockey, Mike, it was just the cultural experience that nice. uh, was so memorable for us too. You know, just uh, being able to walk the neighborhoods and right. be with the families, you know, have a little strawberry festival in their backyards. And it was just, it was just wonderful. It's so relaxed. And there was such not an emphasis on competition all the right. time. Right. It was just enjoying each other and enjoying life and slowing down and appreciating each other, which was great. It's just such a great yeah. perspective. And you come back and it's like, what am I doing? Time to slow down, right? Yeah, yeah, Christy, I'll tell you, the best I ever did up at like Lake Placid was bronze. And it was still one of my favorite trips of all time. Uh, and, and again, look, in England, I was very fortunate to win a championship. But I love, I've loved having lived there. I love just visiting there. I love being able to get, you know, a scone and clotted cream and jam and, and, and what they call coffee, which is, it's not great. But tea, great. tea is fantastic over there. <laughs> you know they have I mean? the best tea. They do have the best tea. But yeah, I think the moral of the story is this, is that a few things from this episode. One is that I've had people ask me, how do I get involved in coaching? There's a lot of different ways. Right. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to take this challenge on this year was to see, hey, maybe this remote thing can work. Maybe this will open up an avenue. And this show and a lot of the work I do and the work that Mike does is we're trying to get stuff out there. Of like, let's share the information that we have. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, if you ever have the opportunity, and I, I will stress that I understand that not everybody does because these, these are expensive trips. Um, you know, I was fortunate that I was asked to come over. If you ever have the opportunity to really see a new culture, or new side of things, embrace that. And especially for your kids, especially for your kids at a young age, uh, you know, you want them to see that. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, any other final thoughts? Guys? This will be a shorter episode tonight because Christy Cashino Burns is on assignment. If you're watching, <laughs> she's literally in a newsroom right now. It's kind of a busy day too. So no, Mike, yeah. why don't you wrap us up? Yeah, no. And I, well, I, I would, I would echo what both of you have said that this is where I would bend my rule of crazy tournaments is that find destinations that allow cultural building right. find ways to enhance your life enhance your kids lives and if you can get out of the, you know it, listen there's always room for competition there's always room to you know go out and go for blood but there's also these great experiences that that the sport of hockey brings us all together and there's that common that common piece and it is amazing when you go away like for me it's always amazed me when i've gone to europe and especially the scandinavian countries that really go out of their way to make you feel so welcoming and they do and yes. and and, yes. and really just you start to appreciate like wow they they really think that we're doing everything great over here you don't and hug like, at each other i'm like this is um, they thought this our is girls were rock stars like here. you american okay. girls are rock stars like eh. yeah, yeah really. look, it's always <laughs> it's always nice to see how other countries see us because you know here you know there's a lot of self-loathing you yeah. go to another country, they go, America is the greatest place ever. You know, 
And people yeah, we're really and we're really lucky, and the kids yeah. are lucky to do these kind of things. You're lucky to be able to go over there and, and help these young men uh, yeah, succeed yeah. In, in in their town and their mission to win. And I and I think that's that is a, a great you know kind of ending is that we want to you know make sure that we're taking all of these great experiences we have the opportunity to be a part of. And the great the part for me that I enjoy the most is it's hockey that allows me to find them. Right. You know, I don't know if I was maybe doing something else just sitting around as an accountant or something, maybe I wouldn't get to get invited to, you know, Finland and, you know, do some hockey work. So it is yeah, great. Yeah. It is fun. I'll, I'll say, I'll close it with this. I, and I say this, I'm so thankful and so privileged to be able to do what I do within this game. And there is not a day. I mean that that goes by that. I'm not just thankful that I get to live my life this way and, and experience it with other people. So, and, and that goes for you too, as well. This show has been and a blessing. And it brought the three of us together. And it's going to continue Yay! to bring us together. Uh, Cause a quick, quick teaser. We're going to be coming to you all summer here and all off season. Uh, we've got a lot of we great are? interviews lined up. Yeah, no. Mike, sorry. It's in your contract. <laughs> your contract's in the mail. Uh, we got a lot of great interviews. We got a lot of great episodes coming up. So stick with us all summer. And, and uh, we, we ask you, if you like this show, if you enjoy it, tell a friend, tell the other parents on your team, um, we are growing rapidly and we understand that we're providing value and we want to make this audience and this community as big as possible. So uh, like us, share us, five star us, subscribe to us, whatever, whatever it is that you need to do and join our Facebook group, Our Kids Play Hockey. But we got to get Christy Cashiana Burns out of here because she's got to do the news. All okay. right. So for Christy Cashiana Burns. It's time for the news. It's time for the news. Good, good luck. Good night. No. All right. I'm Christy <laughs> Cashino Burns and Mike Vanelli. I'm Lee Elias. We'll see you on the next edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Good night, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.